Welcome to the Bat Flip Podcast, everyone. My name is David. I'm joined by just Damien this week. Matt is in Hawaii. And this week we are going to get into some of the kind of wacky good starts that are going on in, in Major League Baseball that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, kind of touch on some guys that have been not so good as well uh, that maybe you would have expected to have started off better. And then we'll we'll catch you up on news and notes and hit our players of the week. Uh, but before we get into all that, how are you doing tonight, Damian? I'm doing pretty well tonight. I mean, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but it's officially been a Bobby Miller day, uh, the first one so far. So that's been really exciting to uh, watch after having my Lakers get swept out of the playoffs last night, which was not a fun idea. So we will not talk about that one anymore. But, uh, you know, we're missing Matt this week. He's decided he wanted to go see volcanoes and sit pina coladas in hawaii so it's just you and i this week so how are you doing buddy i'm doing good you know uh last night i got to call you driving through the field at watkins Glen. that was pretty fun and um you know we've we've been able to not watch the cubs this week which was really refreshing because they've been horrible uh and i'm sure we'll get into it with with some of these good and bad starts but at least tonight is a matt mervis night and i will also say that i i saw some p- pitching ninja highlights of bobby miller already man that dude is nasty. He's going to be very good. He's going to be a problem. It's so exciting. But, um, you know, what do you say we go ahead and get into uh, – should we start on a sour note or on a good note? Which way do you want to – you want mm. your vegetables first or you want your dessert? Mm. Let's let's have – let's have our dessert first. Let's let's go to the good starts, I think. I think that's the move. We'll get into some of these guys who are who are having a good start to the season. All right, so let's go ahead and we'll, we'll start with our good uh, position players uh, so far in the season they've had. But uh, Luis Arias, I mean, we've kind of talked about him a lot with that trade. And then, um, you know, I think he's been a player of the week before, but he's batting 383 uh, so far this year. And one little nugget that I actually came across today, uh, sent it to the chat here, but he has not struck out twice in a game since August 2022 uh, and has not struck out twice in a game obviously this year he's the only qualified player to have done that so far this year yeah and and you know you look at a stat line with an 8.4 percent walk rate and a five percent strikeout rate coming off of a season where he went for uh an 8.3 percent walk rate and a 7.1 percent strikeout rate you know this is a guy whose bat to ball skills are fairly unparalleled at this point like in history because this is the type of guy who would have been a, a hall of famer you know 20 30 40 years ago like in the mold of tony Gwynn. i mean it, what he's doing to hit 383 in today's game of baseball is extraordinary i hope it continues you know expected stats don't really believe in it right the the typical thought belief is that that will come down but watching him play he is a really, really special contact bat. And it's definitely worth noting that he's off to a really good start aside from the cycle he already hit this year as well. Yeah. I think the most insane part, I mean, obviously we're talking about the strikeout here is his strikeout rate this year is 5%. Like it was, it was elite last year at 7.1%. Like ever since he's became an everyday player, he has dropped his strikeout rate basically every single year. Yeah, which and is you, insane. You look at the guys he's around. You know, it's a lot of those same types of guys. You know, Jose Ramirez, Kiebert Ruiz, Alex Bregman, Jeff McNeil, guys who are not striking out a lot, but he's a solid three percent below those guys. Like it's, 
he's he's got a big big lead on strikeout rate on the rest of the field right now. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and move over to our next um, surprising start so far, and that's been uh, is he still in Colorado? He is Rockies yeah, he catcher is. Elias Diaz. He's hitting three thirty three, which is second in the second NL. in the NL to to Acuna. Um, you know, as far as his, it's the best against. Um, of catchers, obviously, he is the fifth best catcher on WAR so far this year, um, and he has you know one point two WAR so far. Just a surprising start from a guy who had kind of an afterthought, you know, had been traded already from in his career, uh, but getting a solid time here in, in Colorado. This is a guy who hit eighteen home runs in twenty twenty one, and you know he's definitely got this lineup inflated by a, some good Babbitt luck, but. It's worth noting that, you know, he does have the bat to ball skills to run a, you know, a pretty reasonable offensive catcher position. And this season he's sporting positive defensive value. He sported that same positive defensive value in 2021. I, you know, I think he is able to kind of establish himself as a everyday catcher in Colorado. And, you know, he's, he's 32. He's not going to be the type of guy who anchors their rebuild or anything, but it's a good story right now, I think. And, you know, we're not going to get another chance to talk about Elias Diaz, especially if that, that batting average and balls in play starts to come down. So it's a good time to note, right, he's having a really good start to the season. Yeah, I mean, a career WRC plus of 80 so far, and he mm-hmm. is batting 126 on that this year. So a uh, really good start to uh, the year for Elias Diaz. Um, but we have another catcher that is really tearing it up this year as well and kind of breaking out, um, and that is from the Texas Rangers, Jonah Heim. Um, you know, he is second in ke- uh, of all catchers in war at 1.8, um, batting 288 this year, a 127 WRC plus six homers. Um, a guy whose peripherals last year, you know, the, the stat cast page looked really well, uh, didn't translate all that well, only had a, you know, 227 average and a 99 WRC plus, but really kind of taking that next step here and, uh, you know, really breaking out for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, Heim is a, a guy who, is, was kind of a top prospect a few years ago, but it's kind of fallen away from that a little bit, uh, you know, over his major league career to this point, you know, not was, was kind of viewed as a, a really good hitting catcher, but last year, you know, uh, under league average slightly always sported a really low batting average. And this year, I mean, that BABIP is not crazy high. It seems like he's just finding his stride as a major leaguer. I mean, even his, his WOBA is lower than his ex WOBA. This is a guy who's, underperforming his expected results to this point. And he's still off to a really good start. Um, you know, and, and he's also handling a, a, a Texas Rangers pitching staff. That's been really impressive. And, and we'll get into them, I think a little bit more as we go, but you know, the work he's done to help improve that Rangers team, uh, given that they are currently leaders in the AL West and, you know, winners of 29 games to this point is, is rather remarkable. And I think worthy of, of notoriety here early in the season. Yeah, second best defensive catcher so far behind Sean Murphy this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so Jonah Himes obviously uh, doing something right so far. But uh, the next guy that we want to talk about is Tyro Estrada from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's a guy who's shown flashes ever since he's got to the Giants of being a productive player. Um, you know, last year in 541 plate appearances, had a 106 WRC plus, batted 260. 14 homers, 21 steals, um, you know, a guy who you thought was going to be a solid player for them. Well, he's kind of taken that a notch up this year in 191 plate appearances. Uh, he has six homers, 
12 steals already, uh, and a 309 average, a 478 slugging, a 130 WRC plus, and almost has uh, under half war of his season total from last year. This is a crazy start from Tyro Estrada, and he's he's always been the type of guy that you know can can be a toolsy everyday utility man to play second base, shortstop, third base. But this is definitely a level that I don't think anyone was expecting from Tyro Estrada, and he's doing it maybe with some even worse like plate approach. Right, his strikeout rates up, his walk rates down. Tells me he's swinging a lot more. He's being really hyper aggressive in the zone, but it's working out for him. It's paying off for him. He's already stolen 12 bases, uh, stole all, 21 all of last year. And I mean, this is a guy with some good athleticism on top of, you know, the power and the patience at the plate that he's displayed in the before, but at least the bat to ball skills uh, at the plate. You know, I, I like the, what he's doing. He's kind of, you know, the, the, the comp gets thrown around a lot, but. The, the utility man of Ben Zobrist, maybe even more like a, a high contact Chris Taylor from a few years ago. I mean, this is just a, a performance that's going to get him paid once he gets a free agency here in a year or two. Yeah. So um, the next one that we want to go to is a guy who was a, a highly rated prospect has really, you know, started to break out this year and that's going to be Nolan Gorman. Um, you know, last year was his first season up hit 14 homers, but struck out 33% of the time, only hit 226, only a 300 on base, you know, still an above league average season at 107 WRC plus, but only a half war and, you know, what, 313 at bats or plate appearances last year. And I mean, this is a guy that when Jordan Walker and all them were breaking out, they were talking, you know, the rumors were that Nolan Gorman was a guy that was going to get traded potentially like, that teams valued him around the league, but the Cardinals weren't sure where he was going to play with the, you know, emergence of Newt Barr and O'Neill, and you didn't have the place in the outfield. You have Aaron Otto, obviously at third, um, Brennan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, kind of in the infield there. But Gorman's really proven it this year. I mean, 13 homers so far, 39 RBIs, strikeout rates down to under 25%, walk rates up to almost 13%, a 301 average, 392 on base, a 177 WRC plus, and he's already almost tripled his war from last year. Check check this out. He he's going to be a contender for like May player of the year or player of the month. Um this is he's hitting 358, 452, 830 slugging in May with a 241 WRC plus and seven homers, striking out under 20% of the time as well. So when the power is up, the walk rate is equivalent to what it's always been. And the strikeout rate is down. This is a guy who is absolutely locked in finding his groove. Uh, terrible news for the Cubs, but in, in the NL central in general, because the Cardinals are out of last place and are quickly arriving towards the front of this division. Uh, Nolan Gorman is a massive reason why he, his breakout and at second base, no less is absurd he's only 23 years old he's going to get better and a guy with this much power at 23 and that kind of plate approach uh could be a very dangerous hitter going forward yeah i believe you said seven homers so far in the month of may yeah seven Mm -hmm. Uh, all seven of those came against the dodgers this week i am highly convinced three against the dodgers Uh, you know where he got started this for his second homer in may against the cubs and also against the angels so you know but he's he's been otherworldly I am highly convinced that all seven of those came this uh, <laughs> last couple of days, but um, you know, the next guy let's go ahead and move over to is Adolis Garcia. Um, you know, you look at his season, it's kind of really similar to what he did last year. 
you know, as far as the, the average, both 250, had a 300 on base last year, 320 this year. He's slugging a lot more this year. WRC plus is up a little bit, but the main thing is, is he leads the league with 49 RBIs and mm-hmm. we're not even to June yet. He's got 14 homers. I mean, his career high was 31, but that's in what? 622 plate appearances. We're at 200. I mean, he's a guy who could easily get to 40 homers this year. Um, and he's yeah. not really even stealing as much, but one thing he has done, he's cut that strikeout rate down about 3% so far. The thing about Adolis Garcia, and he was one of the guys I kind of named when we were talking about the Rangers as to the keys to their season, is he needed to play good defense out there. And, you know, in center field, he's he's at least not horrible out there, right? But he needed to be a big contributor, right? They've got the, the pieces up front between Simeon, Seeger, and some of those other guys, you know, to, to get on base. And Jonah Heim is also, you know, getting on base a ton. Getting on base isn't really Adolis Garcia's game, right? I mean, 320 on base, that's probably his highest of his career to this point. And his game is slugging, but what's even more impressive is that his game is playing in the clutch and driving those runs in. And, you know, when when you look at where we are in the season, which is, what, 46 games, he's got more than an RBI per game. That's, you know, the last time we saw a pace like this was Danny Ramirez when he hit 165 RBIs. And, and it's been a long time since a record like that was set. I'm rooting for it. Jordan Alvarez is also over an RBI per game. Rafael Devers is right at an RBI per game. You know, hopefully one of these guys can keep that pace all season because it would be really cool to see, you know, kind of a modern day record like that go down. And I, I don't think it's improbable. The Rangers offense is really good. The Houston Astros offense is going to run through Alvarez, you know, RBI is not a statistic that gets any notoriety these days because it is pretty fluky, but there's something to be said for a guy like Adolis Garcia who can, you know, sit there at fourth, fifth in the Rangers lineup and drive home guys like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who are just always on base. Yeah. I mean, he's had all the talent in the world and we said that he was going to have to be one of the guys to help carry that Rangers lineup. And I mean, he's doing it, being able to be that run producer um, that they needed him to be. Um, but let's go ahead and go to another Texas Ranger since we're already talking about them. And, you know, arguably the best starting pitching free agent deal we've seen this offseason so far, and that is Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, he is third in war in all of the major leagues in uh, or through pitchers at two so far, a 283 ERA, a FIP of 246, um, you know, 60 innings, and not really walking people, striking out about nine per per nine. I mean, just an overall fantastic season so far from Eovaldi. We knew he had, was still pretty solid, but, I mean, he's taking it to another level this year. What, and he also, I believe, pitched tonight. Yeah, he threw, he threw eight innings of one-run ball tonight. Uh, Eovaldi is is kind of going crazy, and it it's – I was looking at it this week because the, for the Cubs, Jameson Tayon's been so bad. You, but you look at all the all the free agent signings to this point, right? DeGrom's on the IL. Rodon has a pitch inning for the Yankees. Uh, Teyana mentioned Kodai Senga's been okay. Chris Bassett's been okay. He's gotten roughed up a little bit, but and, and his numbers don't look particularly encouraging. Taiwan Walker's been bad. Uh, you know, Zach Eflin's maybe the most successful so far. And he got paid. All of those guys got paid a ton more money than Nathan Eovaldi. I don't even remember there being a market for Eovaldi and he's been easily the best of the, all the starting pitchers. 
he was tagged with the qualifying offer. I'm sitting here thinking if I'm the Yankees, the Rangers, the Cubs, the Mets, would I give up a second round pick for Nathan Eovaldi and, you know, in, in his contract right now? Absolutely. Right. It's not even, it's a no brainer. The, the qualifying offer thing is starting to annoy me because I think teams are shying away from it, trying to put value in the, like a second round draft pick when, you know, the, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a, maybe the more talented of all of those guys that we just mentioned, other than like DeGrom, Verlander, Rodon, Yavaldi's probably the most talented guy under that tier. And he's, he, he he's making less money than them. It's, it's crazy to me. So, you know, this is a, a lesson in, um, you know, what the, the free agent market is going to do and what these qualifying offers are going to do. And, you know, it's all kind of a crapshoot, but Yavaldi's been the best one so far. And I think, uh, I think there's a lesson to be learned by a lot of those teams up front. Yeah. I mean, they had the qualifying offer. He did have some arm injuries last year as well. That kind of with the elbow that kind of were scaring some teams off as well. Um, but it's so I- been an absolute heist of yeah. by Texas, um, you know, still at the end of the day. I actually looked it up. It was a, he had a back injury and then he hurt his shoulder, which was linked to the back injury. And then he came I back think, right before the end of the season and was shut back down. I think I, people were looking at the elbow when they were getting into like the medicals part of it. Oh, um, maybe, but was, they were worried gosh. about the elbow there. He, he's had Tommy John in the past, but I, I just, I'm sitting here. I was frustrated with myself, right. When I was trying to come up with targets for my team, like, why wasn't I on Evaldi? Like, obviously, other teams weren't either. He don't, I don't remember there being much of a market for him. He signed late in the offseason. Yeah. So. Um, anyways, so let's go ahead and move just slightly down the, you know, war list for pitchers to number six, and that's for George Kirby. Um, you know, with all the rotation for the Seattle Mariners, we were talking about Luis Castillo. We talked about Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, who's now out for the year. Uh, we knew George Kirby was good. But he's kind of stepped it up a little bit this year, and especially now with Ray, um, excuse me, um, Ray being out for the year, uh, Kirby has just done nothing but flat out impress. He doesn't walk people at all; less than one walk per nine. Has a a, a two sixty two ERA, a two seventy FIP. So those look like they're you know pretty even with each other, and a one point nine uh, wins above replacement so far this year. I love a pitcher who just decides I'm not walking anybody. I'm going to throw strikes. I'm going to beat you with my stuff. I, that's hard to do. Uh, you, you Darvish decided to do it a few years ago, mid season. He just decided I'm not walking anybody anymore. And it, it, it's the kind of thing that can change your entire approach on the mound. George Kirby is quickly discovering that he's got enough overpowering stuff to, you know, allow for him to overpower people in the zone and not give up those costly walks. I think that's really impressive. And it's the type of thing that uh, young pitchers need to be looking out for, especially the ones who throw really hard. They don't have to burn it by people at a hundred miles an hour max effort all the time, right? Kirby's averaging 95 with great stuff and he's doing it in the strike zone and he's doing it where he's not walking people and costing his team, you know, extra base runners, extra runs, blow up starts. He's been very consistent. It's exactly what you want. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to make the exact comparison, but I saw somebody saying, like, this is the modern-day Greg Maddox with more velocity. Like, mm. that's kind of what it's kind of starting to look like. I'm not saying it's the exact comparison, yeah. and I'm not saying I was. I'm saying I saw somebody making this comparison, <laughs> and I'm saying it's probably the closest thing we've had um, while being able to throw 95 or whatever. Um, yeah. But obviously a lot earlier in the career. I would certainly not make that comparison, but I think 
that is a that's a good goal for for yeah. a guy like George Kirby. Yeah. Um. So next one we want to talk about is Mitch Keller. We've talked about him a little bit more than any of the other people on here, but I think it's just worth mentioning how good he's actually been this year. Uh, I know we kind of brushed away the Cy Young favorite uh, thing when they asked that in our, our questions episode, but you can make the argument that he's in that conversation uh, uh, this year, 62 innings, a 2.44 ERA, a 2.68 FIP, uh, strikeouts per nine up to 11, uh, you know, walks down to two per nine, uh, limiting the home run ball, you know, overall just been a really great performance from Mitch Keller so far and really taking the reins of that, uh, you know, that Pittsburgh pitching staff and living up to the prospect hype. I, I, we, we need to, to address the concerns um, and the allegations. Uh, Matt, we were very skeptical and dismissive of the question when it was posed that was Mitch Keller a Cy Young favorite. Turns out the answer was yes. Um, <laughs> we were very wrong. I, I dismissed it. I, I was legitimately very unconvinced. And then at that point in the season, he had not been particularly good yet. Uh, he, of late, he has been spectacular, been one of the best pitchers in the National League. And with Pittsburgh still flo- you know, afloat in the NL Central, I, I think in order for him to win that Cy Young Award, it's going to require Pittsburgh to finish in the playoffs um, and him to continue having a season like this. But this start is very impressive, and it's showing a a level that Pittsburgh pitching has not been able to get to, you know, with guys that have a lot of talent in the last six plus years. I mean, since like Garrett Cole, right? I mean, Tyler Glass now was not able to arrive at this level. You know, there were other Pittsburgh pitchers that I am not thinking of at the top of my head. Maybe Shane Boz is one. They they've been traded and they've found success elsewhere. Charlie Morton's another one, Joe Musgrove. I'm just getting to a bunch of them, but they, you know, Pittsburgh has not been good with their pitching development. And to see Mitch Keller taking these steps forward and looking like a legitimate ace is very impressive. And it's very good for their pitching development infrastructure. And it's, it's telling them that they're going the right direction. Yeah. That whole change was due to him throwing a sweeper and a cutter now. I've watched a, a lot of breakdown on, on what Keller did this off season. So, um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good start, uh, but let's stay in the same division and we'll go to another pitcher that is breaking out uh, to be in the Cy Young conversation so far. And that's been Justin Steele, um, you know, 61 innings here, a seven uh, strikeout rates down a little bit to 7.78 for nine walk rates also down. But I mean, overall, just getting the results done, a 220 ERA, a 296 uh, FIP, you know, the, the XFIP is a little bit high, but a 1.8 war this year. And really for a guy who wasn't high on a lot of prospect lists, what a 36 rank prospect for the Cubs in 2021 yeah. um, has really broken out to be, you know, one of the top tier pitchers in the National League. Yeah. So, so the thing about Justin Steele is that since July 1st, I'm trying to make sure I get the stat exactly right of last season or since it's, it's in mid July of last season, he's got like the lowest ERA of anybody. Um, and I'm trying to make sure I have it cause he got shut down. So I need to get the qualified numbers, right. But, but Justin Steele has abandoned throwing some of his extra pitches. Uh, he's almost exclusively a fastball slider guy at this point. He, he's got a little bit of a cutter, but, What's made him so so impressive is that he's got a very bulldog mentality. 
um, where he's going right after a lot of guys at this point in his career. He's just, he got some advice from John Lester a few years ago and it's, it's taken him from being a, uh, you know, a guy who struggled with command at times to, you know, similar to George Kirby, where he just throws his stuff in the zone and, and forces guys to, to swing and miss at it. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball at avoiding the home run ball over the last two years to the point that, you know, we, we talk about home runs as sometimes being a fluke, sometimes not being under the pitcher's control. Justin Steele doesn't allow home runs. And those are the most damaging you know, outcome outcome that you can add if you're you're a starting pitcher. And I just finally got there on that. He's got a 1.87 ERA since the all-star break of last year. That is indeed the best in baseball. So this guy just doesn't allow runs. He's, you know, he doesn't allow home runs. He's, he's very, very resistant to blow up starts. Very consistent. I'm very pleased with the changes that they've made. Um, and yeah, he reminds me of young John Lester at this point. You know, he's throwing from the left side. He's 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 only got the two pitches. Lester was a lot craftier, but in terms of the mentality, he's going to go out there. He's going to beat you. He believes he's going to go six, seven, eight innings every start, and he's done that this year for the Cubs. And and he, he did that on Sunday, and they still lost the game because as soon as he left the game, they gave up the lead. So, you know, at this point, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to hear you say that he's in Cy Young conversation. I still don't know that I put him there yet, but you know, the, the changes are legitimate and he looks like a really good arm. I mean, if we're just talking about so far this year, he's the, what, the one, two, three, fourth most valuable pitcher so far in the National League. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's definitely room there. And the third one, which is he's tied with, is Zach Wheeler, who has like a 4-11 ERA. And the, mm-hmm. fit, the, the peripherals don't back that up, but voters still look at that. So I would say so far, I mean, he's right there tied. He has the same amount of war of Mitch Keller. Right. <clears throat> so, I mean, if it wasn't for Gallon and uh, Strider. Strider so far, I mean, that you'd be talking about those two. That's but, crazy. Uh, um, you know, another guy that we wanted to jump over to was Anthony DiScalfani, um, a guy who kind of showed some flashes with Cincinnati, had kind of struggled for a little bit, uh, came over to San Francisco in 2021, uh, an off-season trade looked really good, kind of broke out, had that big year. 2022, battled injuries, only 19 innings, looked not great at all. But so far, his start to 2023 kind of looks back to the 2021 style. His strikeouts are down a little bit, but also the walks are down. Um, but a 309 ERA, a 318 FIP, uh, you know, the, the peripherals, just a little bit higher than that, but a 1.2 war and just another nice piece to that San Francisco um rotation that actually has them sitting third in the division right now above the Padres. Yeah. Di Scafani was always had the, yeah, that kind of tantalizing potential with the Reds, but pitching in the Reds ballpark is just no easy feat. And he's moved over to San Francisco and, and he pitched very well, earned that contract for himself. I think he signed a three year, $36 million deal before the 2022 season. So he'll be with San Francisco for another year after this. And for only 12 million, I mean, that looks like a bargain at this point. I do love a pitcher who just doesn't walk people, and that's what Di Scalfani does. You know, he's he's not quite the got the crazy nasty stuff that George Kirby does, but he's able to make it work, especially in a spacious ballpark like like San Francisco. And uh, it's it's worth you know a lot to a team when you can go in there, eat up innings. He's got 55 innings pitched this year. This is a guy who was not reliable last year, and obviously was hurt all season, but 
if he can stay healthy and, you know, keep eating those innings, I feel like this is a guy who will go under the radar all year. And at the end of the year, we'll be like, wow, how, what kind of a season did Anthony DiSclefani have? You know, what a crazy year. He didn't walk anybody. Look at that. So off to a good start. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a good start for DiSclefani and, and the Giants team um, in general, but uh, let's go ahead and transition over to our, our bad start so far. And the, the bad start that really has probably been the most surprising out of the big ticket free agents has been Trey Turner. Um, and really it's come down to his strikeout rate has ballooned from 18% to 27%. Um, he's just swinging and missing a lot more than he has in his career. Um, you know, he's only batting 256, a 303 on base, a 390 slugging, 85 WRC plus for a guy with a career 122 um, so far. I mean, he's still stealing bases at six, but overall just striking out a lot more than you would expect from a guy like Trey Turner with his contact profile. Yeah, we, you know, this takes me back to a lot of our free agent talk when it comes to Trey Turner. And we, we talked about the big four a lot. We talked about which one was the most safe. I I believe our consensus was Trey Turner was the the safest option, right? I mean, he's the best bat. He's got the best fielding. This, even with all the struggles that you just mentioned, he's still near the second most valuable player on the Phillies due to that elite shortstop defense, right? Like, and, and elite base running. This is a guy who can still get it done even when he's not hitting. My question maybe about why this is, is he was so good in the World Baseball Classic. I wonder if that threw him off his rhythm to some extent. Um, you know, he saw what he was doing. He was very aggressive in the World Baseball Classic, hit a lot of home runs, wasn't walking, right, swinging a lot. I wonder if he took that approach into the season a little bit, and it's something that he's going to have to adjust from. I also wonder if you took his World Baseball Classic numbers and padded them onto his current offensive season, if if the numbers would look pretty normal, right? I mean, five home runs, that's going to that's gonna throw your numbers up dramatically, so... You know, I think he'll get back to it, right? But I do think that that may have affected him a little bit. Yeah, that, and you always, you know, it's like a 50-50 this ever happens, but usually after the guy gets the big contract that first year, we've seen it with Francisco Lindor in New York. You try and come out and almost prove yourself that contract or like prove that you were worth that contract rather than just doing what you do normally. And letting that kind of just be your flow and what's worked for you. And I wonder if that's another part of it as well. Like you've just come in and you wanted, you knew that, you know, you had lost a lot with, you know, Harper being out for a little while, Hoskins being out uh, for the year now. Like if you felt like, Hey, I needed to come in and be more aggressive and just kind of take it over and prove myself. And, you know, really that strikeout, I expect that he's going to get in line. He's going to go on a hot streak here. Eventually mm-hmm. he's just too good of a player not to, but it's been a really bad start so far, which is just really surprising. Um, but yeah. I think a start that's even been even more surprising um, and worse has been uh, probably the biggest free agent first baseman that was out there this year. And that's been Jose Abreu. Um, you know, Jose Abreu is a guy in his major league career has 243 homers. His lowest season was, 15 homers, which was last year, uh, won the MVP in 2020, you know, in that, the half season at 19 homers there. So far this year in almost 200 plate appearances, zero homers, 17 RBIs so far, 
220 batting average with a 281 on base, a 52 WRC plus so far, and he's been worth almost negative one war. So he's almost been negative one win above a replacement level player so far. I I am shocked by this downturn, and I was comfortable when the Cubs didn't sign him to a three-year deal, which is what he ended up taking in Houston. Um, this is this could not have possibly been worse thus far, and he looks cooked. I mean, this is a guy who is 36 years old now. Um, you know, the worry was that, you know, his power was kind of down at the end of last season. He only hit 15 home runs. Slugging was down. Do you know, that's not going to get better. It's just, can you manage with lower power to be able to still, you know, hit for some slug, get some doubles, you know, knock it into the, the gaps at, at, um, minute made the, the stadium in Houston, you know, we expected he would be able to, we figured, you know, Crawford boxes, he might even hit a few extra home runs he's been dreadful and you know, the Cubs just played Houston this last week and he was a free out in this lineup, man. Every time he came up, it was like, Oh, thank God that <laughs> the meat of the order is finally gone. I mean, this is, and this is a guy who was a terror uh, over the last six, eight seasons, you know, I mean, averaged over a hundred RBI, got up to 123 in 2019. I mean, anchoring the White Sox lineup, winning an MVP um, just, mind-blowing that that this has gone as poorly as it has and uh i would not have predicted it at all yeah out of qualified players in major leagues he's been the least valuable Mm -hmm. which is very surprising um but let's go over to our next one and it is george springer um a guy who in his career is a 132 wrc plus guy uh only has 87 this year uh only hitting 240 312 350 uh He's not slugging very much. Uh, strikeout rate, walk rate, they're kind of pretty much identical to what he was last year. Um, just a little bit of movement here and there. But I know he's been getting hot recently, but the start to the season has just been very underwhelming for George Springer. This is a great lesson in in sample size, actually. So you just listed his, his, his line, right? 87 WRC+. plus Tonight, he is 4 for 5, home run, 2 RBIs, 3 runs scored. Uh, the, his WRC plus has risen from 87 to 100 league average. Yep. Justin tonight, 13 points. Yep. Uh, we are still so early in the season that a good night can rapidly improve your numbers. And, and that's why none of this is, is very definitive analysis. We're just kind of hitting on the guys who have been good and bad so far. Trey Turner could go and hit four home runs in the next game and his, his season would be above average and he would be looking great. Um, and that's just the beauty of baseball. Uh, I, I trust Springer I, in, in that lineup. I think he's going to excel continually and the slow start is just a result of him being hurt and unhurt and sick and unhurt and he'll be fine. It's George Springer. Um, he is getting older, but I don't think it's decline season yet. He's his strikeout rates down <laughs> this year. His walk rates right at the same as it's been the last couple of years. You know, this is a guy who's gotten better since he's gotten older and uh, since he's gotten to Toronto in terms of his ability to make contact. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to, he's going to be fine. Yeah. And that's exactly why we wanted to put him on here. So Mm -hmm. we could, we could show that um, still how early it kind of really is, even though we're talking about, we're almost two months into the season. Uh, But the next guy that we wanted to, the last uh, 
bad hitter we wanted to talk about so far is Andres Jimenez, um, a guy who really had broke out last year, uh, was an all-star, you know, hit 297, hit 17 homers, um, you know, for Cleveland, a 140 WRC plus. I don't think anyone really expected him to repeat that exact kind of year. Um, but so far, he's kind of fallen back to what he was his first year in Cleveland. Uh, you know, only a 218 average that year, a 282 on base, a 74 WRC plus. You look at it this year, 222 average, a 293 on base, and a 75 WRC plus. So not much difference there. And uh, really, it's just been a, a disappointing start so far to a guy who really was breaking out last year and we're hoping to see a uh, return for another season. There's another guy who just signed a big extension, $107 million. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit crazy to to consider that, you know, it was not long ago we were looking at him and looking at the Guardians as maybe one of the teams that, you know, it could be World Series contenders. And I, I think I picked them as, as the AL Central team. Man, they, they look not good right now. And this is a big part of the problem is Andre Simenez's performance so far. He is just not able to get to, to any sort of luck in terms of batting average on balls in play. Um, you know, he's not getting for the power he got last year. He's not on base enough to, to take advantage of his athleticism. You know, it's just, it's just a big, a big drop off and it's disappointing. You know, you wonder if the, the 353 batting average on balls in play last year was maybe a, a big part of why his performance was better, but this is concerning, especially if you're a Cleveland fan. His defense is down too. Uh, it just seems to be that I, I'm not sure if maybe the contract gave him some security and he's a little bit thrown off. But he's also 24 years old. You know, I, I, I believe in him to rebound. But this is this is not helping Cleveland's chances, especially as they're kind of well under 500 right now um, and in a winnable division as well. The Twins only have 25 wins. That's tied for the lowest of any division leader. Um, you need all your star players to be firing on all cylinders. Right now, Andres Jimenez is harming the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, they've had a, a couple of those performances so far. Naylor's kind of picked it up recently. Oscar Gonzalez is another one who's really struggled so far. I think he even got sent down, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm, he did. Um, and Ahmed Rosario hasn't really lived up to it yet either. So um, Cleveland just needs those guys to to kind of step up. But let's go ahead and move over to our uh, pitchers part of it and, and who's off to rough starts there. And we'll go ahead and start with uh, Tyler Anderson. He's a guy who had an all-star season last year for the Dodgers. Um you know, I don't think anyone expected him to keep up those same exact numbers. Had the qualifying offer attached, signed with the Angels to, I believe it was a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far this year, it has been rough. Uh, strikeout and walk rate per nine are almost even, like a one difference, which is not great there. And the strikeout's only 5.7. Uh, an ERA of 527, a FIP of 515, or expected ERA of 515, a FIP of 584 and XFIP of 625. I mean, these are like all time bad numbers for Tyler Anderson, who had been a serviceable, like, you know, number five kind of depth piece. And this year he was supposed to be, you know, a a two or a three in that rotation. And man, has he been very, very bad so far. You know, we, we did question, the angels jumping on signing him and we questioned him not taking the qualifying offer. Right. I mean, he went for the years, he went for the security and um, yeah, it turns out that that looks like a really good decision, right? That, that almost, he, he did that before ever declining the qualifying offer even. So um, 
this is a a surprising turn of events for sure. I I don't know that I would have expected the the strikeout rate to to plummet like this. You know, he was the kind of guy who had the the crafty stuff where it felt like he's going to average six seven strikeouts in six innings, right? Like, nope. But you know, he 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 wasn't able to get there at all, and he the walk rate has just gone crazy. So, man, I don't know. I I I didn't. I, it felt like that was very much a Dodgers magic type of, of year last year where they were able to put together, you know, a good game plan. They've got good catchers and Will Smith and, and Austin Barnes that, that call games really well. And the angels don't have that. I mean, Logan O'Hop's out for the season and, you know, they, I think it's Chad Wallach right now is, is catching for the angels. So it's, Thanks, you know, Stassi. it's yeah, Stat- Mike Stassi. They, they just don't have the same level of, of catcher, presence that the Dodgers do and I, I think I think I, that's where I'm kind of sliding blame right now is Tyler Anderson's guy who needs the edges he needs the corners he's he's got to work around hitters and he's he's less able to do that in, in with the Angels he got out of the Mark Pryor school yeah um, that's, that's exactly right what happened. Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to the another one which is Tywin Walker which was another big name free agent starting pitcher market which had kind of been meddling results so far this year but He's been one of the worst ones uh, with a 579 ERA, you know, FIP of 513. The peripherals seem that that's gonna, those numbers are a little bit inflated, maybe a little bit of room for, uh, for, um, gosh, what I'm not going to, not regression, but improvement. There we go. Right. Um, but he needs to really, like, I mean, the walk rate has really skyrocketed so far. I mean, he was a 250, uh, 2.57 walkout or walks per nine last year, 424 this year. Um, obviously playing in uh, Citizens Bank Park isn't an easy place to pitch, but uh, you would hope for a little bit better for uh, Taiwan Walker. I will say that he looked really good on, I want to say Sunday against the Cubs. He He's the kind of guy who, he's almost like a Javi Baez type of pitcher where he'll go through a stretch where he cannot get out of the third inning. And then he'll go through a stretch where every start he's five, six, seven innings, throwing up 95 plus, you know, brilliant splitter, 10 strikeouts. Um, you know, I think this is fairly typical for, for Taiwan Walker to have some periods of struggle. I, it, the Phillies are not known for getting the most out of their pitchers. That's for sure. So, you know, that, that sign, that aspect of the signing was already somewhat worrisome on top of Taiwan Walker's inconsistency. Um, I do think he'll turn it around, especially based on his last start. I think he's got He's always got a little more results in him. This is the guy who formerly was a very big top prospect. But yeah, a little bit concerning. It it just goes to show you, though, that there were not a whole lot of good options in that middle tier of free agency. I mean, a lot of people like Tyler Anderson. Taiwan Walker was, you know, probably the youngest guy in that group, right? Only 30 years old. And, you know, bad results for both, right? I mean, it's it's risky to to play in that pool of free agency. You never really know who's going to hit and who's going to struggle. Yeah. So uh, the next one we want to go to, I mean, we've been talking about small sample sizes with every person here so far, but this one's even to the, to the bigger extent, which is Joe Musgrove. He's only started five games, 24 innings so far. Um, But man, he's looked a little rough. I think even two of those came against the Dodgers um, and he did not look sharp in those games at all. Um, you know, walking people more than he I don't, he ever has in his career, or I guess the outside of the 2020 year in Pittsburgh. Um, strikeout rate, you know, 
still about where it was last year, but man, a 675 ERA so far, 583 FIP. The ex- expected numbers show that he he's not pitching nearly as bad there. But, uh, you know, for a Padres team that's already scuffling, already fourth place in the National League West, which is wild to say, um, you know, with Snell already struggling as well, you need Musgrove to come back and kind of be that guy. And he hasn't been able to do that so far. And his extremely small sample size. It's worth noting that he had a start. He had one of his starts in Mexico city. He had the two starts against the Dodgers. Those are hurting his numbers a hundred percent, but he still hasn't looked good. And his 675 ERA on a team that is scuffling is not there. I do believe in Joe Musgrove. I think he'll get back to it, but this is a concerning start. And we've talked a lot about Blake Snell and we really needed to touch on somebody from these Padres who have been really bad (laughs) for the most part. So, um, it, this is uh, this is worrisome, and this is a guy who just signed a $100 million extension. It's interesting. A lot of the guys in this struggling group just signed a big extension, you know, and I wonder if there's something to that. Yeah, who knows? But let's go ahead and move over to our um, reliever portion. Um, and relievers are always incredibly, incredibly fickle anyways. Um, but James Karinchek this year, I mean, a mm-hmm. 503 ERA, a 669 FIP, Expected numbers, uh, you know, as far as the FIP show that he's been better than that. The ERA shows he's been worse. He's still striking out a lot, but he's walking almost six people per nine. Been worth in his 19 innings so far. He has been worth negative 0.64. So not great for James Karinczak so far. Karinczak has always been a guy who relies on his wildness as a weapon right? He's, he's so effectively wild that, you know, he's able to get around a lot of walks this year. He's giving up a lot of home runs and that's not gonna, that's not gonna fly, you know, at the back end of a bullpen, but it's, it's concerning because of where the guardians are, right? I mean, we talked about Jimenez. Another reason is that their bullpen, which we deemed as one of their biggest strengths going into the season, has not been good. And Karen Chack is a big part of why. I mean, he's already got four losses on the season, which pitcher losses, whatever, right? But Class A, not striking people out the same as he has. He's got four losses on the season. Karen Chack's got four losses on the season. Those are supposed to be your two dominant wipeout relief pitchers. And those two guys have struggled mightily to get outs this year. So, you know. The, the Guardians, I mean, I, I assume they're they're putting all their faith in their, their bullpen and those guys, you know, they didn't make any additions to this team. And it's looking like it's that's a bad call and they really needed to add some help into that bullpen. Yeah, speaking of uh, needing to add help into the bullpen was the San Francisco Giants this year. They went ahead and signed the best left-handed reliever out there in Taylor Rogers, you know, pairing him with his brother, Tyler. Uh I knew I was a big proponent of signing Taylor Rogers this year. I thought, you know, his last year he in in uh, San Diego was pretty good, and then he got traded to uh, to Milwaukee. wasn't as great there, but man, this year he I don't know what happened, but he has uh, not been great. I mean, he's walking people a lot, so I guess that's what happened. But um, you know, fourteen innings so far is a, a walk rate of five point seven nine per nine. A 514 ERA, a 671 FIP. Again, the expected numbers show that he's been a little bit better, at least on the ERA side. The FIP isn't too much lower, but negative 0.4 WAR this year uh, for a guy. What he signed for? Was it 20? 
It was thirties. Thirty-three million, eleven yeah. million a year. Three years, thirty-three million. Um, and he's been downright awful this year. It is it is scary when you make a big investment into the bullpen and it, it doesn't pan out like this. Uh, like this hasn't. It's also funny because his, his brother Tyler is having a really good start to the season, yeah. and he could have been one of our our guys who's being underappreciated to this point. Um, but yeah, I, I really was thinking that the the twin power was gonna was gonna be a big advantage there. But Ty, Taylor Rogers has not been good, and he's yeah. It, it, relievers are so fickle that you know three appearances from now he could be back at you know zero WAR, looking great. Um, but you know. The, it's very. It happens very quickly when you're on the fringe of playoff contention, like the Giants are, where if your relievers are not performing, you cannot go to them. You cannot trust them because if you do and they fail you again, right? That's another game you have to make up to get to those wild card teams, to get to the Dodgers, to get to the Diamondbacks, and with you know you're already fighting against a Padres team that's going to have you know more talent overall. You're already fighting against you know you're you're going uphill. If you're the Giants, you can't be giving away games. And, and so where the Giants are, where the Guardians are, other teams that are struggling with the bullpen, you can't rely on guys who are scuffling like this. And when it's Taylor Rogers, who is a, a known commodity, a great left-handed reliever, you have to rely on him. And if you do and he lets you down, that can cost you the season because it'll knock you out of wild card contention really, really quickly. Absolutely. I mean, it's... It's uh, not been a great start, but that's the uh, that's our who's been off to good starts and who's been off to bad starts uh, so far this year. But uh, before we jump over to the injury segment, real quick, uh, I just want to note that the Toronto Blue Jays scored twenty runs tonight against the Tampa Bay Rays Ooh. in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I know they did put in a position player to pitch. I think when it was ten one, but still. Um, uh, that Tampa Bay run differential maybe just took a little bit of. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, oh, there goes the run differential. Oh um, man! But uh, let's go ahead and move over to the injuries now because we do have some big time injuries that we do need to talk about. Um, you know, and and a lot of them are coming from the NL West. But uh, first off, we have Manny Machado uh, got hit yeah. in the hand, um, and I believe it was last Wednesday, uh, and he ended up going to the IL. Has a broken hand. Uh, and I know you'll be able to say more about what his timeline is going to look like. Yeah. Manny Machado had a fracture in his hand actually, and they didn't diagnose it for like a solid five days. They pulled a, a real Cubs and, and let Machado sit on the bench playing shorthanded while he needed to go on the IL. Uh, but he's already taking swings. I, I believe he'll be back here in, you know, a week probably, but that is, you know, maybe that's the type of thing that can kind of reset Machado, give him a few days off, and hopefully he can get back to form. Uh, definitely been struggling so far this season. I, you know, ultimately this could be like the way this season turns around for him. I hope it is uh, because he's he's definitely off to a bad start, and and you know that's part of the reason that the the Padres are in the position they're in right now. Yeah, and like I said, they're going to need him to help that, that team. Cause I think they're already like what, eight games back of the Dodgers in the division. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their, what the score looks like tonight for them. Uh, they're facing the nationals. So up three, zero in the fifth, seven, three in the seventh, actually. Oh, JK. That's the one I haven't reloaded recently. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Still. you know, it, they're not going to lose a game tonight. It doesn't seem like, but it, they, they're, you know, they need Machado to play and mm-hmm. to play at that MVP level last year. 
uh, like he did last year. Um, so hopefully he's able to get back. But uh, the next two are from that division leading uh, LA team. And, and they took another hit to that pitching staff this week with uh, Dustin May had a flex restraint. Uh, seems like the UCL is fine. No Tommy John's going to be required, but he did go on the 60 day IL is going to be out until at least through the all-star break maybe even a little bit longer because it sounds like six weeks is when he's going to pick a baseball back up and then I'll have to go through a full ramp again. Uh, and then Julio Urias uh, in his start against the Cardinals, I believe it was on Saturday uh, also uh, got injured with a hamstring strain. He's on the IL. seems like it's a much more minor issue. He's going to throw a bullpen this week. Um, uh, I think on this weekend in Tampa Bay and see what it looks like from there. But Shorter timetable for Urias, but I guess we'll just throw it in since we're already talking about him. It has that has allowed Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone to both get called up so far. This is showing the Dodgers' depth. Um, you know, they they've got two very capable, prospective pitchers that can come up and and take the the reins for uh, for Urias and and May here in this case. And and I think that's kind of the luxury of being the Dodgers. It's the luxury of having a really good pitching development team, um, and that's you know, it's going to be why the Dodgers have been able to have the sustained success for a long time is they can weather the storm of having two of their best starting pitchers go on the IL. I, I will note that having watched May pitch, I think it was, it was against the Cubs a, a couple of weeks ago. His delivery just looks so wonky. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it surprises me that he doesn't blow his elbow out every time he throws. So it, him hitting, getting an elbow injury is not shocking, but, I mean, when it's working, he's throwing 102 mile an hour sinkers that are <laughs> running like 20 inches horizontal movement. Like it, it's definitely worth it. But, you know, I, I can see the injury risk there from from watching him. Well, it's not great saying that he's literally coming off of Tommy John surgery anyways. Yeah. Um, so that's not great. But um, the other two injuries that we have are actually both from the NL Central. Um, that's with Nick Lodolo getting a stress reaction in his tibia. Um you know, had kind of been off to a, a good start for the Reds and then had really struggled uh, the past, I think, handful of starts that he had there. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the reason why. Uh, so hopefully Lodolo, you know, was able to come back soon because he was kind of breaking out there and kind of being the pitchers that the Reds would have, were expecting him to be. Even even with the, the bad results, Lodolo had a really good strikeout rate, good walk rate. And, you know, I, I do think he was... He was kind of one of our, I think he was my dark horse for, for Cy Young, but he, he's got the stuff. It's yeah, it, this does scream that this injury has been lingering and they finally took an x-ray of his leg where it was bruised and figured out, Oh, it's, it's actually broken. So uh, hopefully Lodolo can get back. Yeah. And then the, uh, the last injury one we had was uh, Cody Bellinger went to the IL with a knee bruise. Um, I know you'll be able to tell more, but I think injured it running into the wall trying and prevented yeah. a catch or actually did a catch to prevent runs from scoring. Um, but it sounds like he hasn't even, he hasn't really been able to ramp up yet. Um, so probably a little bit more than a minimum stay on the IL. Yeah. It, it, this is tough, man. Cause he was playing so well for the Cubs, but you know, it, he was making a great defensive play. That's, that's what a guy like Cody Bellinger does jumped up on the wall to, to rob, I think it's either robbing him a dove, a double or a homer, but I think it was in Philadelphia and yeah, just a big bummer that, that he's able, uh, isn't able to continue this in the end of May. Hopefully he's back soon. Yeah, hopefully. 
Uh, one other little housekeeping uh, news that we wanted to say is that Gary Sanchez had opted out of his deal with the Giants, uh, signed one with the Mets as a minor league deal, uh, and then had an opt-out and actually forced that opt-out to get called up to the major league team. So uh, Gary Sanchez has been called up by the Mets. Um, yep. Probably won't be the starters, probably still see more of like Francisco Alvarez and stuff, but Gary Sanchez back in the major leagues, at least in New York. Yep, pretty big name, and he's in New York. So I, I, you know, if there was ever a time for a revenge season, you would think this is this is it right here, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to player of the week, and then go ahead and wrap this show up. So, uh, David, who do you have for your player this week? Yeah, despite Christopher Morel hitting six home runs in his last seven games, I am going Jamer Candelario. Um, yeah, Candelario is a guy who I really liked signing with the Nationals. You know, as a bounce back candidate, he was the type of guy that was absolutely going to have a good season, I felt. And he hasn't had it so far, but it seems like the last, you know, couple of weeks he's been turning it around. This past week, a 583 batting average, 600 on base, 1,000 slugging, two homers. But maybe the most impressive number of all that is 8% strikeout rate. And, you know, this is a guy who's led the league in doubles recently. And, you know, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for really good things to happen for Jamer Candelario. He can be a starting third baseman in this league, and you know he's over 100 WRC plus to this point for the Nationals. He's been a bright spot in their offense. He may be the best available bat, or one of the best available bats at the deadline uh, that'll be available because the Nationals are almost certainly going to be sellers. So, you know, I, I keep an eye out on this breakout, especially as he continues to heat up because he could be an impactful bat on a contender uh, at the trade deadline. Yeah, he really could be. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he technically has one more year of control. Yeah, I, I do think you're right. Yeah. Because he's so, a service time five years. So, so. yeah. It, he, could get, could get they got, he got non-tendered by the, the Tigers this offseason, which we felt like was a really curious move. And here he is with a an over 100 WRC+. plus. So, um, you know, I think that, that kind of speaks to, to what the Tigers have been doing in the front office <laughs> but that's why they overhauled it new yeah new regime so yeah uh for my guy this week i went with a guy who has kind of really struggled so far to start a season we've seen the potential there before um and just kind of hasn't really found it and that's michael kopech um a guy who in every single one of his uh outing so far this year had given up at least one run and in i think it was what out of his eight starts that over or six of them were two or more mm -hmm. uh, just a guy who had really been struggling and really hadn't been striking many people out. I mean, for a guy with the type of stuff you believe he has, I mean, five, five, four, four, two, five, like he had one, nine, one, seven in there, but kind of really been struggling. Even in the nine strikeout game, gave up five runs to the Rays. Uh, this week it is against the Royals, but eight innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts, um, you know, no walks and limiting the hits is what Michael Kopech's able to do. I mean, in his last start before uh, the one against Kansas City, he went four and two thirds, still gave up one hit against the Astros, but six walks. Uh, just an outrageous amount and is able to, you know, put together a scoreless outing there. Maybe it's the turnaround to a season, but um, you know, there's just too much talent there. And, and it was really good to see him have a, a good game, even if it was against a team like the Royals, whose offense is is not one of the, the premier offenses in the league, but just to get a good start under your belt and, and hopefully kick off the season because Kopech's really fun to watch when he's on. 
Yeah, he's he's the type of guy who, you know, we've mentioned in the same breath as guys like George Kirby, right? And and you know, big top prospects with with heavy stuff. Kopech's the kind of guy that needs to keep that ball in the strike zone, man. He he's very wild at times, but you'll note that this week's start, no walks, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the that's the big key, I think, for Michael Kopech is is can he stay in the strike zone with that heavy fastball that can do a lot of damage. Yep, averaging five walks per nine so far this year. Mm-hmm. So so. Anyways, uh, anything else that you want to wrap up on before we close this show out? I have to mention him before we we wrap it up. Pete Alonso has hit 18 home runs this season, and I don't think we've mentioned him one time on the show this year. Pete Alonso, leading league in homers, very good player. We didn't we didn't get to get to him. I tried to add him late to our wacky good starts. Pete Alonso, league leader in home runs, doing a great job. Uh, that's all I got, man. He's he, we don't talk about the league leader in home runs enough. Yeah, and uh, before we do it, pull a homer thing. Bobby Miller. Five innings, one run ball against the Braves. So, what a de- what a debut, man! Against the Braves, dude. That yeah. that's the key, man. That's that's a very good lineup. So, and Bobby Miller's yeah, so, gonna be a problem. So take that, Matt. When you're sipping pina coladas, <laughs> you just got Bobby Millard. The Braves anyways, got Bobby Millard. That's that's great. I had to throw that in there at the end. So, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 127 of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we will catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.